Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. Well, the hello, podcast. hockey fans, and welcome back to the, the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode 19. The first of 2020. Happy New Year to all of our great Patreon subscribers. We really do appreciate your support rolling on into a new decade and joining me as ever on the podcast. The man who is more likely to appear on the podcast than I am (laughs) at the current rate of going for the year. Mark Denham, how are we? Graham, I'm very well. How are you? Uh, recovered, I think, is the best way after a uh, slightly subdued performance, which I have to say a very big uh, thank you to Richard for uh, stepping in and thanks, hosting. Richard. Thank you, Richard, as I was laid down with a uh, with a uh, just horrible illness of cough, cold, chest infection. Luckily, all gone away now, uh, and uh, I'm back, which some of you might decide is is not necessarily a good thing. That but, brings uh, me to how well, I'd well, like well. to start this podcast. Here we go, because I feel that I owe. Josh Smith, an apology, uh, because as you mentioned, you were laid up with uh, with a, a horrible illness, and you did come back for the game against the Swindon Wildcats. But we swapped roles, didn't we? And I did the lead commentary, and there is a moment of commentary horror on there as Josh Smith scores quite a nice goal. It's preceded by "What is going on here?" So. I feel that I owe Josh Smith an apology for that. Um, you know, like when you look back at highlight reels over the years, that's going to be a, well, it's going to be a nice goal, but the commentary on it, not so nice. What is going on here? So, Josh, I'd like to start with an apology. And I'd also like to say a lot of people come and they watch ice hockey and they think it looks so easy. And until you put the skates on and the padding on and you try and skate, you get no real appreciation of how difficult it is. And again, like, with the commentary, you get no real appreciation of how difficult it is to do smoothly until you actually do it. And some buffoon then shouts out, what is going on here? Oh, Josh Smith has scored. It's not the best description ever of a goal, is it? Oh, I mean, there's been plenty worse ones. I can remember a game uh, at a certain arena in Basingstoke when Paul Dixon scored maybe the finest uh, own goal. There's another way of describing it. Paul Dixon wheeled round the back of the net, turned and fired it back round the boards. There was just one slight issue. He hit the back of the twine. <laughs> and I've never laughed so hard on commentary in all my life. And it's not, I'm just like, what? It, literally, what is going on here? And yeah, it was a it was a very memorable moment for me as Paul Dixon did that. Uh, and I think my reaction on co-commentary to what is going on here sums it up as well. But let's be fair here, Mark. There's been other issues as well for me this season. The other week I called a perfectly good goal for Will Stead for James Galazzi and got very excited. <laughs> um, it, this weekend, you're going to... For those of you who haven't watched the Bees TV highlights yet, go tune into that one and see me go up in celebration of a goal that wasn't a goal, um, which is a particularly unique moment, it has to be said, as I was screaming out, how has that not gone in? I think my, my voice returned to pre-pubescent levels on that one as well. <laughs> do you know, that reminds me, do you remember in a, uh, a rink slightly further away, uh, there was a game against Guildford. Do you remember when the entire... Guildford block went up in yes. celebration of absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, they all sat down again, didn't they? To be fair, that was because of the miss that they weren't able to see that. And yeah. it wasn't quite as bad on a... It wasn't quite as bad from the Bees fans on Sunday, though certainly behind the goal. When you rewatch the, the the strike on the GoPro camera and you can hear that the crowd just don't react to it because it hits the pipes. They can see it. They can hear it hit the pipe. Mm. From our angle up on the gantry, one, we did not hear the pipe be hit 
two, the angle that the puck went past Dean Skins at and came back out at meant the only conclusion I could come to was it's hit the padding at the back of the goal and come straight back out along the floor. Uh, and yeah, it's amazing. We were straight away saying, us, oh, it's the smallest of margins. It's amazing what angles do for you. Richard, who films Beast TV, thank you, Richard, for filming Beast TV, obviously, as well. Thank you. He looked at the, he looked at the Josh Newman strike, and he was straight away looking at me going, that went in. <laughs> well, yeah. I wasn't, Do you know what, he, what we have to say here? It, you know, because we have berated them uh, before. What we have to say here, and in particular it was Stephen Matthews on both incidents, is his positioning was right and his judgment was right. Every now and then there's going to be tight calls like that where the officials get it wrong. You can't knock Stephen Matthews. You can see on both the replays that we have put out from Sunday's game, Stephen Matthews is right there where he needs to be. And on both occasions, he has got it entirely right. So, you know, credit where credit is due. Yeah, indeed. But it does help when you're at that slightly lower angle, I think. <laughs> like, if, if you're if you're in line with the goalpost, and maybe the goalpost is a little taller than you as well, it probably helps being able to see that you one. You do know Stephen Matthews post. is one of our Patreon subscribers, don't you? Good evening, Stephen. <laughs> Hello. Good evening, Stephen. Hey, it's all done with pleasure and all done with joy. And I think that's the nice thing about it, certainly. Uh, I have to say as well, I'll talk about it in Saturday's game as well. There are a couple of incidents during the game and one of the first things in one of the period breaks that happened was that Faye Andrews came over and actually spoke to Doug and tried to explain the situation and it actually did a lot of good to help to have that communication I think is very key because it's all about having that communication it's all about talking through those incidents and obviously there was this high stick maybe maybe not on Brendan Bed. I still haven't seen the replay of that incident but the fact it went from a two-on-two break to a two-on-one break uh, with one guy just sprawled out on the ice and blood being left on the ice, something must have happened. Um, it's not quite uh, murder she wrote, but it is kind of you can build a story there. But as you say, it is great to it's all part of the joy. And if we if we're going to just briefly wrap up referees news, don't worry, fans, you haven't tuned into the uh, Ice Hockey UK officials referees podcast <laughs> for this week. Uh, but obviously, this incident is making the news today, coming out from uh, the Telford versus Peaceborough game. Uh, involving uh, referee Richard Belfit. Uh, and uh, dare I say it, his favourite Christmas movie, I believe, is Wallace and Gromit and the Wrong Trousers. Or, or just no more, trousers. Or just no trousers. I think his favourite uh, song may be Andy Stewart's. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps we could get a new version done for 2020. Richard, where's your trousers? <laughs> but imagine right. that, though, the embarrassment. You know, like teams are given strict direction, aren't they? You must face off on time without a good reason, otherwise you face a two-minute delay of the game penalty. Yeah, And then the announcement comes from the officials' room that the game will be delayed because one of the officials has forgotten an essential part of their kit. I mean, <laughs> it is laughable, isn't it, in that respect? And probably for Richard Belfort, who was glad that Stephen Matthews wasn't there and offered a spare pair of trousers because they probably would have only just come up to the shins well, on Mr. Belfort, probably. Yes. Well, can you imagine <laughs> it would have been Paul Brooks? He's a very tall man, isn't oh, he? Exactly. If he's forgotten his trousers, he'd have been, he'd have been out in shorts. I mean, it would have been it would have been comedy if it was the other way around, and, and Mr. Matthews, a long term patron subscriber, have forgotten his trousers and had to borrow them from Mr. Brooks. Um, oh, could I'm you sure, imagine? Eh? Just he'd be tripping over them, wouldn't he? He'd be falling over. It'd be comedy gold. Yeah, it'd be great to watch. <laughs> and the referee's down again, and the, <laughs> yeah, the referee's disappeared into his trousers. <laughs> At least he hasn't fallen down one of the cracks in the ice that you get in certain ice rinks in the country. That's that's happened before. No, we're okay. To all the we're officials. okay there. We're all good. But yeah, um, and as you say, completely spot on calls in the end. Lots of credit there for calling those ones. Plenty of other talking you know, points during the game Just before we well. wrap this, up this little section 
of the the referee section podcast. But no, Please stay tuned, fans. We will get back to the bees in a minute. <laughs> what I was going to say was, if you think back, you know, there were officials like Dave Cloutman and Matt Thompson who were doing regular EPL games back in those days. And they would make a point, wouldn't they, before each game of going to each coach and just having a chat with each coach before the game. So each coach had an understanding of how games were going to uh-huh. be called. If you go back further than that, I remember Glenn Meyer who was despised by many people, but Glenn was somebody who would explain to the coaches before how he was going to call the game. And, you know, I think Glenn got an unfair reputation because if Glenn awarded a penalty and you back-chatted, you got a 10. And that was just the way Glenn called the game. And because of that, I think fans absolutely, you know, felt that he was far too harsh. But in fairness to Glenn, I know that he would speak to both coaches before and explain, like, you know, this is how I'm going to call the game. I'm not taking any back chat, and any back chat will be a 10. All he did was stick to his pre-game word. So I think, you know, it is great where the officials and the coaches can have that chat before the game to get an understanding of how the officials are going to call the game because then they can say to their players, look, don't back chat because you'll get a 10 or don't try any of this, don't try any of that because that's what the officials will be hot on. I think, you know, if we can get to a stage where before the game, maybe there's a chat between the officials and the coaches and that, it'll do great wonders to speed up the flow of the game because some games do end up with no flow at all because it's whistle after whistle after whistle. If we could perhaps speak to the coaches before, the home and the away coach, maybe that whistle after whistle after whistle for virtually no reason would stop. Yeah, indeed. And some some do come over and have a chat. And I think yeah. the issue is sometimes is... Sometimes, as you say, like with Glenn Meyer, like you knew what he was going to call. You knew he laid the law down. I think sometimes you see these chats happen, and then the the actuality of what occurs following the chat is not what they've spoken about pre-game. Um, and I, I think that can sometimes, and that's what sometimes causes tension and can cause issues on the ice. Is you do see players going, "Well, you've told us pre-match this is how you're going to do it. Here's the situation. It's played out like it. In my opinion, it's played out like it, and it's gone a different direction." Mm. Um, plus as well obviously Glenn Meyer I mean you were very lucky you never got chucked out of DJ Box by Glenn Meyer did you? No I didn't actually um, I didn't. Unlike, unlike a certain former Bracknell DJ he yeah. definitely got chucked out of Box by Glenn Meyer so, Do you uh, know what I'm lucky because Glenn and I did have a good working relationship and Glenn knew how far I'd go and I knew how far I could go and I would don't get me wrong I would go as far as I knew I could go but I just knew with Glenn, how far I could go and how yeah. far, you know, like where the line was and not to cross it. And I would push that line. And sometimes Glenn would give me a cheeky look. And I think, oh, maybe I'm just going a little bit too far. But no, never did get thrown out by him. And do you know what? In all fairness to Glenn, when you actually speak to him, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, I know, exactly. And a lot of the officials are great people and a lot of them are nice guys. And sometimes when you see comments about them, yeah, I've had disagreements with officials this year. I've had issues with some of the calls that have been made and some of the calls that haven't been made. The thing is, you can chat to most of these officials. You can chat through with them, especially those you have a relationship with. Some of the younger guys coming through, we don't have those relationships with yet. But you can build those relationships and you can have a chat. And it gets to the point where Steph Hogarth is out refereeing this week. Uh, the G, uh, Sorry, the, the under-20s out in South Korea. And I had a little chat with him, having myself been at the Winter Olympics last year. And we two years ago now, goodness me, I have to say that. 
bad little chat just because he's going to an area where I stayed for three weeks and just offered of, and that's the relationship you then build. It goes beyond just being you're a man or a, a woman who puts on the armbands every weekend, goes out and skates. Some weeks we like you, some weeks we dislike you. You can build in something where you can actually have a very active conversation with them. And then it's a two way street. Um, I think we've done very well here in the opening 10 minutes of the podcast to completely gloss over this weekend's results. So we unfortunately, have, yeah. we? we best get back <laughs> on topic, really. We we best get back to the topic. Um, and I think. And thank you for your subscription, Stephen Matthews, by the way. Indeed. Thank you, Stephen Matthews. You can now turn off because we've said all the nice things. It's probably going to go downhill <laughs> from here. Um, let, let's start with Saturday um, before we get really into the Sunday game. I, I went up to Blackburn on Saturday um, along with those loyal bees fans who made the trip up north as well we really do appreciate the support the guys certainly noticed you guys there uh, it wasn't hard to in a crowd of less than probably 100 in the building but you certainly made it loud you certainly made it proud i think the guys will be disappointed with that performance um there's no other way of describing it it was one of the flattest performances i think i've seen from the bees this season uh, even going back to earlier in the campaign were the chiefs good no um they were distinctly like the chiefs are they took advantage of the chances they got. Uh, they certainly rode their luck a little bit and got a couple of chances that they took the most of as well. But in the end, we put ourselves in a hole. We put ourselves at the bottom of a mountain that we had to climb out of, and we just didn't have it in us. At the start of the third, we came out. Full credit to Sam Gospel. He's one of the top netminders in the league on his day. Um, and Saturday was his day. He, he certainly turned up strong at times and made some saves. But I, I, all the guys I could sense were disappointed. And I think you saw the response to that on Sunday in that performance. Now, I'm just going to say this about Sunday's game. I felt that was one of the most fun, most enjoyable, just in terms of watching hockey this Sunday. I absolutely love Sunday's game from the opening five minutes where we didn't have a whistle and it just went end to end to end. Even the clock gave up with excitement. Uh, for those opening five minutes, where it was just tape to tape passing. It was aggressive. It was buzzing. Guys were flying about the ice with speed, but there was skill. There was great net minding at both ends as well. That five minutes was just such an absolute pleasure. And it set the tone for the following 55 that just made it. And I know the result didn't go our way, and I'll, I'll get onto that in a second. But just as actually a game to really enjoy as a neutral um, was brilliant as a bees uh, representative, also enjoyable as well. I, I just love that 60 minute and I'd love to bottle that up. And if it goes like that for the rest of the season, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be very happy with life. I think it's fair to say. Do you know what I thought? I, I felt for you a little bit because you just didn't get a break, did you, for the first five minutes of the game? But the thing with that five minutes as well is there was no need for a whistle for any infringement, rule infringement but also no offsides, nothing like that, because it was just a frenetic, paced, skilled start to the game. And that's the sort of hockey that I would imagine any supporter who comes to the game, be they a 20-year veteran, be they a first-timer, that's the sort of hockey that they're going to enjoy because it's the players showcasing their skills and the officials just watching with no need to get involved. And, you know... Sadly, as you say, the result didn't go our way, but not through a, a lack of effort or a lack of trying or even a lack of skill, I would say. Um, you know, it was just one of those nights, wasn't it? But even still, it was a great game to watch, I think, and a great game to be involved in. 
Yeah, and I, I think you can tell the players enjoyed it as well. They came out with a point to prove. They came out buzzing. And I, I do think those games suit us more as a team as well, where there's a bit of edge to it and there's a bit of a buzz and it's fast-paced and it's it's two teams that are just going for each other's throats in the, in the sense of playing hockey, not going for each other's throats because they dislike another team, as mentioned in a post-match press conference by one coach in the league this the weekend. Strangest post-match press conference <laughs> comment ever, I think. Yeah. Oh, we just decided we don't like that team anymore, so we just, just decided to doff them up. Let's get straight to the point, yeah. We don't like them, we're going to beat them up. Yeah, indeed. Didn't work on the scoreboard, though, did it? No. Um, but I think you saw that. It was two teams that just went toe-to-toe. Uh, and tied after one, tied after two. Even by the end, it's a one-goal game, and it, it could have been tighter. Like it just was an enjoyable match to watch. But what I am going to say here is, if you put that performance has been pretty much the performance we've seen from the bees at home for the last month and a half. Really, it's been a very strong showing at home, and the the team have shown an awful loss of potential. And I, I still see that potential. The issue is we're now in January. We've now got two months to go until hopefully a playoff run. Um, and I didn't think I'd ever say the words, hopefully a playoff run. I believe we will be in the playoffs. I believe we'll be there. And I believe we'll be extremely competitive with whoever we draw in the playoffs because we've proven that we can play and compete with every team in this league. But we need to stop talking about this team as, oh, I can see the potential for where it's got to go. We've got to see the realisation of it. The biggest issue, I think, here is every other team has now converted their potential into achievements, you know, um, with the exception possibly of Leeds, but it's excusable there because they're still struggling without a home rink at the moment. Every other team, I mean, you look at Milton Keynes, go back five, six weeks with Milton Keynes and they were out the playoffs without a hope. They are now achieving their potential and they are the real form team in this league. So, yeah, you can look at our roster and you can say that showed great potential and that's fine in September and it's excusable in October. But what we need to do now, as you say, with just two months to go and let's not let's not, you know, pull any punches here in ninth place. We need that potential to stop being potential and to be actual achievement from here on in. Because we can only control our own controllables. We can win our own games, but we can't cause, except for the games against Romford, Romford to lose their games, you know, or we can't get up to seventh by not controlling our own controllables. We have to control our own controllables and hope that other things go in our way as well. What I will say is obviously we do have a game in hand over Romford and we have plenty of games left with Romford, I'm calling them Romford, but they're the Raiders Ice Hockey Club. <laughs> but they come from Romford. Um, but, you know, if we can start putting together a string of results, which is something that we've not done as yet this year, we've not put together a string of results. If we can start putting together a string of results and including those, the remaining games with Romford, then we're in the playoffs. Let's make no mistake, we're not where we want to be in the table and I don't think we're going to finish where we want to be in the table because the teams above us are playing well and there is a little bit of a margin. I don't think we're going to finish where we want to this season. But I think what we need to get out of this season now is a decent run in and that playoff spot secured, a good strong playoff run, and then a base to build from for next year. Because there aren't, you know, you wouldn't look at this roster and say, well, I don't want him back next year and I don't want him back next year. 
what you'd say is, look, something hasn't quite happened this year. But, you know, this team does have, in terms of looking forward now, beyond this season, this team has great potential. And if they fire, and they can fire in a consistent fashion next season, by January 2021, I don't see that we will be in ninth, scrabbling for a playoff spot at all. So they have potential in terms of a future, but in terms of this season, we have to say, look, stuff the potential. Let's get it into achievement and reality. Let's get points on the board. Let's get a run going. You know, we've had back-to-back wins before, but not as yet a four-point weekend this season. And that's amazing. When you look at the squad, you think, how not? But it just hasn't happened yet. We have had back-to-back wins. We've had uh, wins on a Sunday followed by wins on a Saturday. But we just need to start getting a run going here. And we need to just tighten up a little bit on the uncontrolled, the unforced errors, because that's what cost us last night. Um, And I hate to say this, but an unforced error gifted Lee Jameson the opportunity to skate in one-on-one with Adam Goss. And with all the experience of Lee Jameson, he made it count. If we can cut those out and if we can get onto a run, then yeah, our potential for future seasons is great. But if we can cut them out this season, then we are going to be mounting a playoff run in a couple of months' time. Yeah, and I, do you know what? I'm going to pick you up on a point there that you said, is that you sat there and go, it's, it's one unforced error that I think there is an opinion and a groundswell of. It's one error that left Jet Lee Jameson to go in one-on-one, and that was the game. I don't necessarily believe so. And I appreciate that that's a stupid thing. For some people, that's a crazy thing to say in a one-goal game. That's the easy one to pinpoint. It was a, it was a game changer. I could look back at before that. There were two penalties that got given against the Bees in quick succession. One was a two plus ten. For a call that, by the law book, I think is right, but I'm not necessarily happy about it. Um, yeah. It's one of those that, yeah, if that check gets thrown 20 centimetres, or sorry, 20 inches to the left and it takes a shoulder, it's not a check from behind. But because of where the player turned, because of where that happened, it becomes a check from behind. Mm. Those back-to-back power plays result in two goals. And that's where the game went from being a 2-2 tie and competitive to 2-4. Yeah. No, I agree with you. In that respect, I agree with you. I was I'm just not, saying I'm, I'm, about Jameson's because... Yeah. It was right after Roman Malinik had scored. What's probably going to be the easiest goal of Roman's career, if I'm honest. And we'll it talk was about a that. In a comedy second. error that we'll get onto in a second. But it was right after Roman had scored, face off one, drawn back into their own end, and under no pressure at all. Jameson is just sniffing around, you know, speculatively hoping for the puck, and then gets gifted it um, with momentum high. The crowd behind you, momentum high. It's little errors like that. Um, and I guess we'll come on to the game in a moment in, in full detail. But it, if we, you know, if I'm going to sit here and say that, yes, I have to agree with you about the two penalties that were coughed up. But there is another talking point as well, I guess, that could possibly have been a game changer as well. And that's not in reference to the goals that we mentioned earlier either. And it is in reference to? It's in reference to the five on three opportunity. Now, Milton Keynes were, you can't take anything away from them. They were clinical on the power play. They were even more clinical on the penalty kill, I think. They did very, very well. Even on the five on three, they managed to block the passing lanes frustratingly and chances that came 
weren't from great areas. I mean, on your day, you'll score them anyway and it doesn't matter. But, you know, they, they kept the bees out of that five on three. And I did say on the stream, this could be the game when we got the five on three. This could be the game. Get ahead here with a five on three. Then you continue with a five on four. And that could have made the game. And those two goals could have then easily been the other way round with the bees getting two goals, one on the five on three, one on the five on four. So, you know, there were things, I guess, that you would look back and you think maybe we should have done a little better there. Maybe we should have converted at least the five on three, if not the five on four. Maybe we shouldn't have gifted Jamison a breakaway. Maybe we should have been a little bit more careful giving away two penalties in quick succession. Because the other thing is as well, when you give away two penalties in quick succession, you are down a skater for that period of two minutes, which means your penalty killing unit has to skate harder because there's one less of you. You then want like a moment to recharge, you know, because you've got to go back out on your normal five on five um, shifts as well. But you just want a little moment to think, right, you know, we've done it. We've killed off that penalty. Just have a quick breather and then get back into it to cough up a second one so quickly when your penalty killing unit has just done a good, you know, has just done a good shift like penalty killing four on four. You're then saying, right, I know you're tired, but go out and kill this one. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you say, all of a sudden we've just sat here in the space of five minutes and it's gone from being, oh, it was just that one error there to, okay, well, actually there's this factor. Actually, there's this factor. You could also talk about the high stick incident with Brendan Baird when the Lightning were in two on two and all of a sudden you check across, Cowley's coming in and you check back across the ice and all of a sudden it's a two on one because Brendan Baird's laid face down on the ice and as he gets up to walk off, there's a pool of blood on the ice and it's like, well, how's that happened? Uh, four officials, either one, didn't see it or two, saw nothing. Mm. And I'm going to be very careful with my wording there because I feel that's an accurate description in that they saw nothing that was untoward or they just didn't see the incident, which is fine. <clears throat> now, and all of a sudden, OK, if that gets called, if there is an incident there and it gets called, that then becomes a five. That becomes a match misconduct, which would have been reduced to a five plus game because Brennan returned. But So all of a sudden that would have been a five minute power play for the Bees yeah. going the other way. That is another instance you add on top. We also saw a slashing incident where Dominic Gabay uh, received a slash across the wrist, and it was an instantly a strong slash. Now we, it's a, it's a call for the officials to make. It's a judgment call from them. Was how hard was the slash? Because we have seen incidents where Joe Baird slashed a player in Peterborough on a puck trying to block a shot. He received a two-minute penalty, and then after the incident, the game was put in for supplementary disciplinary and upgraded to a match of misconduct, which caused a two-game ban. You then have an incident the next time we go to Peterborough and Brendan Baird, in a very similar situation, gets a game misconduct for slashing. Both times, the player was back out for the next shift. And it was the same situation here. A decision call was made that this wasn't enough to warrant a game misconduct, and I've got no problem with that. But again, another day, it goes the other way. It's a five-minute penalty going the way of the bees again. Now, going back to your point earlier, would we have scored on those 10-minute potential of power play minutes? We scored on the first power play of the night there. We scored on the first power play of the night in, in Leeds as well. It's all, it's all what could have happened. It's great. You can look back with hindsight and everything like that. I think we've got enough there to say, yeah, this was, this was an open game. And I'm going to say about this bees team, 
You mentioned earlier on about Milton Keynes is that they had potential at the start of the year, but it's also great to know what happens when you can throw money at a problem. Uh, not to put it too bluntly, what Milton Keynes has been able to do is tool up around the pieces, bring in players like Liam Stewart, bring in other players I back will into say, the roster as well. to interrupt you very quickly, it was great, I think, to see Liam Stewart last night, you know, even playing against the Bees. It was great to see him back on the ice, plying his trade, and he did it well last night as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And but again, that was a player that the Lightning didn't have at the start of the season, yep. and he has made a big in, he's made a big influence on their team. And I'm and I'm not begrudging the Lightning here. I just want to make this very clear. I'm not begrudging the Lightning. They have a successful crowd that means they can bring in lots of money, and as a result, they have more magic money to spend on their budget. So as a result, they can attract better players. They also have a natural chemistry with so many of those old guys. I say old guys, some of those veteran players within their lineup that have played together for years. Jameson, McPherson, Ross Bowers on the bench, uh, Lewis Christie back there. James Griffin's been there year as well. You had Dean Skins, who's played time in Milton Keynes before as well. And you add in some of the young kids who have come through Milton Keynes at the same time. The likes of Harry Ferguson, who's been there a couple of years now. Russ Cowley, you know, is an experienced guy. Like that roster, to me, is equal to an EPL roster. Yes. To, and it, it's something we're going to come on to in a little while. And well, you can we, see why they're the form team, can't yeah. you? When you look at like the the playing strength that they've got, you can see why they are the form team. And I guess, therefore, I'm being a little bit harsh on the bees because I said it's time to convert potential into reality. And the Lightning have done that, but the Lightning have done that with the addition of uh with the addition of Liam Stewart, also with the swapping of an import as well, bringing in Robin Kovar who appears to be working for them in a way that, you know, he didn't work out in Brackland. Good luck to Robin. They've achieved their potential, I guess, by, as you put it, throwing money at the problem. I'm not just saying it's throwing money at the problem. It's a little bit of that um, because they've been able to recruit a very good roster that and those roster don't come cheap. Uh, to put it very politely, those rosters cost money, and but they're able to do so. They have great support from their sports club, who I see put in another healthy amount of money for them as well. Like it, it all builds up, it all and it all builds up, and like you've got to look at our roster and see how well guys are playing and how well guys are stepping up. I think this weekend, and, I, and what I'm about to say might to some people sound ludicrous, and I, but I don't care. I think this was one of our strongest defensive performances of the season across the weekend. I think Eddie Nags had a very strong game, especially on Saturday and throughout Sunday until the until that incident towards the end. Harvey Stead this weekend, coming back from a little bit of an injury, he found his feet come Sunday and really was an impactful player and actually shut down Robin Kovar an awful lot during that game and really didn't allow that line to fully click as much as Liam Stewart one man of the match. I don't think that line were as devastating as they could have been. And I think that was the work of the likes of Harvey Stead. I think Joe Baird, he loves those games, those aggressive, niggly games he can just get into and play so solidly defensively in those ones. Brendan Baird, he's still learning his trade at the back there as well, and he was able to contribute to it. And let's not forget Luke Jackson as well back there as well. When he dropped in for the shifts, it can be the hardest thing when you you're not getting that regular shift. You have to keep your mind in the game. But what I love about Luke, he just does the sensible thing well. And I think that radiates up to the forward line as well. You've got to look at some of these guys. I'm saying on one hand, they're playing an EPL roster. Yet we've got guys like Will Stead, Josh Ely Newman, who are all stepping up and, and playing and competing at that level. Will Stead is one of the, at the moment, 
one of the great competitors I'm seeing game after game after game. He is battling. He is trying his hardest and he is fighting for pucks and getting into lanes and back checking hard. Like he, th- those guys, we talk about the potential. They're on such a sharp learning curve here, learning and, and stepping up from playing an NIHL one standard of hockey up to playing an NIHL national standard of hockey where the playing leap is, I feel, quite high because you're playing against. It's not so much the guys you're playing with, it's the guys you're playing against as well, where if you make an error, it can get capitalized on where maybe it doesn't at the lower level. Those guys are all on this learning curve and it's going to come so sharp and so fast at them. And and they're just having to adapt on the fly. And on the whole, it, that's where the potential for going into next year comes from for me is that I would have loved all these guys to have had to have experienced playing at the highest level they possibly could done maybe two, three years ago and get the right training, get the right coaching to really help bring them through. They're now having to basically get a crash course and learn on the job, which can be some of the hardest things they're going to have to do, but they're competing and battling. You you, you can see how they've improved week by week by week. And that's where I talk about, okay, they've got all the potential let's start realizing some of that potential. Let's start delivering because a performance like that against Milton Keynes, the form team in the league, and yes, it's a loss, I think gives a lot of positivity to all of them going forward. They just need to deliver that performance they did on Sunday, week after week after week, which is going to be their new challenge. Because if they stay at that intensity and they stay at that level and they stay at that speed, we're going to be a challenge for everybody in this league. And if they stay at that level and stay at that speed and you add back Zach Milton and Callie Robertson as well, that's another crucial thing. And it's not an excuse at all. But if you add that back in, then that is a very strong team. And if everybody can play to Sunday's level of skill and intensity, then going forward, the Bees are going to secure a playoff spot. And going back to what you were saying, you know, like I, I've been very impressed with Luke Jackson because here he is starting out his career with the Bees. He's come in and he does the the basic things very well, but he's also not afraid to get in and play the body either. And he plays that very well. I look at uh, Josh Ely Newman, who's come in and made a massive impact since he's come in. He has not looked out of place one bit at all. But as you say, he's still getting that crash course and he's learning. And then you've got Will Stead, who has for years, I guess, been in the shadow of his brother Harvey, who's always, you know, who's been around the Bees roster for a few years now. Will Stead has come in and he looks impressive, doesn't he? He looks impressive. He looks purposeful. He looks dangerous. And he looks like he belongs in the Bees roster. And then when you think, you know, like if we look back to Zach Milton, Zach Milton was in those very skates last year, wasn't he? First year fitting in and now look he's away with the gb under 20s he is one of the b's better players after a year of learning alongside his teammates and coaching and mentoring from doug you've now got josh you've got luke and you've got will who are all in those skates this year who are doing a good job but every game they play they're learning from their teammates they're learning from their opponents because let's be honest You know, in your first few games, your first season, you are going to get beaten. It's going to happen. They're learning from their teammates. They're also learning from their opponents. And they're also learning from Doug as well, guiding them. And by next year, they'll have had the majority of a full season under their belts. And they will be ready to go for the 2020-21 season 
with that experience in their belt. And that can only benefit the Bees roster moving forward. Indeed. And it has been nice to see that. It has been nice to see these guys come through. And look, none of it is meant as a criticism about them. None of them is meant when we're talking about realizing their potential. When we talk about the frustration following the performances, I think this is the growing pains we have to go through. Um, and would it have been ideal to go through them two, three years ago here in Bracknell? Probably. It would have been nice to have had that because you'd now have 19, 20-year-old, 21-year-old kids who are, who've got a couple of years experience under their belt, got a couple of years of development under their proper development under their belt, and, and they'd be ready to go. They are learning that now. And I think, as you say, hopefully a good, strong run-in. And I think there's a little bit of that that's going to be quite good for them as well. If it is a competitive run-in with the Raiders and with the, with the Steel Dogs and with the guys above as well, that can make it a very decent, and that's a very big learning as well. And then hopefully that means we go into a playoff where it is just a straight knockout this year as well. So, you know, you've got two games. This is what you've got to do for two games. You've got to perform at your highest for two games. It's... It's a lot of learning for those guys. Uh, just well, one I'll more... draw a parallel, just quickly. I'll draw a parallel. When Slava Kulikov went to Peterborough, took him a little yeah. while to make a successful team in Peterborough. But what Slava has done is he has brought on some of the juniors from Peterborough who are now regulars in the Phantoms. And they yeah. have learned from their teammates, from their game experience and from their coach. And that is what is happening here now. And you just need to look at how successful the Peterborough Phantoms were last year to know when we talk about potential, it's easy to say, well, yeah, do you know what? It's January and you should have fulfilled your potential. But in the long-term plan and also in opening up further the pathway as well, because what we're doing now is we're saying to players that are playing under 16 and under 18, look, you stick at it, you show potential, and here is your route up to the senior team in Bracknell. We're showing them that. And we're also enhancing our own roster for next year and the year after. Because you imagine Luke Jackson, after a couple of years of experience, Will Stead, after a couple of years of experience, and you think, yeah, do you know what? This nucleus that Doug has built and that Doug is now nurturing, this is the future. And yes, you know, it's easy to say, look, convert your potential now, get things done. Maybe it's not going to fire the way we want it this year. And that's, that's a harsh thing to say, but maybe it's not. But then when you look at this nucleus, if we can keep this nucleus together, we've already re-signed Dominic Gabay for next season. And I reckon next season with a whole season, he's going to be right up there at the top of the scoring charts if he doesn't finish there this year. But when you add all that in, knowing that we've already re-signed Dominic Gabay, knowing that we have these youngsters who are keen, skilled and hungry, and yes, no disrespect, a little wet behind the ears, but that's going to change the more experience they get. And you look at their potential and you think, right, this team together, that line we've got there, that line we've got there, give them six months of experience this season and then watch them go next season. I think it is exciting to look at the future here, not just the present, but also to look forward to the future. Yeah, and uh, this is it. Like, what is the future? You've got the very short-term future, which is the games coming up, which are going to be a big weekend. And then the slightly longer term is maybe those four running against the Raiders to come. And then, as you say, the long-term future moving forward um, definitely fills you with excitement. And it, it, like, it's, it's nice to see it, I think it's fair to say. And it, the, the more it's getting realised... I think the more bright the future is going to be around the John Knight Ledger Sport Complex. Um, maybe 
maybe one thing that the players all do need to learn, though, is to play to the whistle, which is uh, very yes. important. <laughs> because We need um, some Benny Hill music here, don't we? But copyright would trap us on that. I mean, yeah, well, if I go, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, other good theme music Yakety from Sacks. 1960s. Yeah, Sax and all sorts might, um, are available. Um, the goalie interference, well, the non-goalie interference call, which ended with Roman Malonik picking up the puck and scoring maybe the easiest goal he's ever going to score of his career. Uh, was it, It's a fascinating one. I tried to draw a comparison to something that occurred in the NFL over the weekend, and I did quite a poor job of it in a very short space of time. So if you go watch the start of the Bills versus uh, Texans uh, game from Saturday, the opening kickoff got kicked back into the end zone of the opposition, where if you take a knee, it's known as a touchback, and the play goes out 20 yards to start your set of doubts. Um it used to be you took a knee to signify that you're giving yourself up, but players do different things these days. It can just be as simple as throwing the ball to the official. It can be just as simple as holding an arm out. It can be There's different ways to do it. The player did slightly hold his arms out to the side and then sort of attempted to throw the ball to the official, but in doing so, sort of threw it slightly away from the official, at which point one of the Bills players came in, picked up the ball, and the ruling on the field was a touchdown. Now, instantly, there was... All sorts of anger and all sorts of cacophony. The point ESPN had even already cut to the sideline presenter and they were beginning to talk about what they'd spoken to the coach about at half time and all of a sudden had to go back and go, well, it's it's what is going on here, to quote Bees TV from earlier in the year. Uh, but That's never going to go away, is it? No, it isn't. And a touchdown was awarded and then got rescinded. It was decided the player had given himself up. And it was a little bit like that on Sunday for me. And... Uh, because the puck went in, Joe Baird got a nice little collision from an MK player that took him very lightly and very gently into Dean Skins. It was a lovely little touch, but it was just enough that even I was like, well, they're going to blow the whistle here. And the whistle never blew. And now, I remember wrote, you saying you felt sorry for the lightning being scored on in that opportunity. What I, I will did. say is it's a basic skill of sport, though, isn't it? Is that you play to... The whistle in a sport, obviously, that involves whistles. So for ice hockey, if the officials do not blow the whistle, the play is alive. If you can see the puck and the goal target is there, put it in. It's the same in cricket, isn't it? You can't go wandering out your crease if the ball's alive. You will get run out. Um, And, you know, yes, I guess, obviously, Dean Skins was irate, wasn't he, as he argued it with the officials, but the fact of the matter is the Lightning became distracted by what had happened, totally and utterly seemed to forget there was a game going on. Roman Malenik, on the other hand, thought, hang on a minute, I can score here, and he did. And as, as we both said, it's probably the easiest goal that Roman Malenik will ever score, and he scored some crackers in his career. He's probably thinking, only they could all be this easy, but yes, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, you felt a bit sorry for the way they were scored on, but I don't because it's basic hockey. If the whistle hasn't blown, the game is alive. I know. Like, I feel sorry in terms of it's one of those. I'm just sat there and I, I've even sat here now and I am a bit still like, well, yeah, I understand it's a goal and I understand you play to the whistle. But in the same breath, I think just especially as it, the players involved there are Joe Bed experienced. Dean Skins, experienced. And I think it was even maybe even Lee Jameson who just gave the shove on to Joe, experienced. And I think all of them just went, 
yep, this play's going to get blown dead, like Dean taking it slowly to get up. Joe Joe was already battling back in the crease when Roman was back in. I think everybody just assumed, oh, the whistle's just going to blow here. Because nine out of ten times, that's all you'll see. And as a result, like smart play from Roman, spotting the opportunity, and most importantly, burying it. Um, at the end of the day, let the officials make the decision on it. If, if all of a sudden MK really want to cause a row and one of the linos really wants to go, mm, I don't think that's right, let them make the decision. Bury the puck in the twine and let them make the decision. Um, <laughs> is sorry the word I'm looking for? Uh, probably, uh, because it's just one of those that I went, even I, I think you'll hear it on the commentary, kind of switch off. I kind of just go, there's a bump on the netminder, that's going to get blown. And then all of a sudden I'm having to go, well, no, they're not, actually. Roman's picked up the... What is going on here? What is going on here? A goal has got in. Um, Yeah. Look, great fascinating moment uh, from a weekend of hockey that definitely was tremendously fascinating. And I think perfectly, uh, certainly the game on Sunday. Uh, We've been looking to do this topic since about the 17th of December, which because of uh, how my illnesses have come along and Richard Brown stepping into guest host show. But Mark Denham had a hot topic. Uh, and maybe we're going to make this a 2020 feature. I don't know. But Mark Denham's hot topic of the week. Uh, Mark, would you like to pose the topic? Do you know what? I was going to suggest for a moment that we kept it to next week because we're already running quite long here. But I'm going to throw it out now. As I you've mentioned it, I'm going to throw it out now. I think we throw it out there. Uh, we will pass on our initial opinion. And then at we can Bees ask Ice Hockey for, on Twitter. Uh, at Bees Ice Hockey on Twitter, and we will have other people pass their opinion. And then we will go through those next week. My question was, the NIHL National is a great achievement on, or great improvement, sorry, on the NIHL One Britain last year. But over the Christmas period, I covered a couple of games DJing in Basingstoke. And... This left me to watch the game a little bit. And then I came back and I watched our game last weekend and I came up with something and I thought, what does it take to get the NIHL national up to the EPL standard? Now, the obvious one here, which a lot of people thought we were going to do with national, was just chuck in two extra imports and call it EPL2. Um. And I don't know, I don't think that that is necessarily the answer. Um, I've always said, and I've gone on record on the podcast before saying, I think, you know, I'd like to see one more import and possibly two on the ice at any one time. And it's up to you how you rotate them. That then, of course, opens the gate, I suppose, to import netminders again, because you could have two on the ice. But I don't think that stepping the NIHL national up to the EPL standard, it's just as simple as lobbing on an extra import and off you go. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating topic. And like, obviously it comes off a weekend where I'm sort of sat there and going, whoa, what, what, like great game of hockey on the Sunday. Getting a little bit back towards the feeling I got for EPL hockey at times. Um, I think I've, in terms of timing, we've maybe yeah. thrown this out a little wrong now because we're saying like, you know, what does it take to step this up? And we've just seen a game that was pretty close to EPL standard. Yeah, but, but the, the, uh, pretty close, but still not. Uh, and, and at what standard of the EPL are we talking? Are we talking a lower-end EPL game? Are we talking an upper-end EPL? Like, we, we've got to be realistic, and, and any person with stats will tell you one anomaly doesn't make it the norm. Um, so what is it that will that will 
maybe make the next step towards returning to EPL. The one point I want to make about this is I can remember when the EPL started in 2000, well, well before that, but in 2005 when the Bees came into it alongside all the teams uh, that collapsed from the BNL. Yeah. And it was pretty dire hockey. And that was I can remember it from three years before that when Slough went into it. Yeah. And I remember at the end of the first game, I turned to Richard on the, the game thank sheet. You, uh, thank I mean, you, Richard. He, I mean, he does get around, doesn't he? Than, his, his hairline's doing a better job than you, yours after all this well, year as well. it's that so advanced hair studio, isn't it? Other, of course, hair replacements are available. But I remember turning to him and saying, that was rubbish. I mean, we won it. It was... Slough versus Haringey, and we won it, and we won it with ease. And I just remember thinking, that was absolute rubbish. I mean, there were just simple basic things that shocked me, and I thought, that was absolute rubbish. But then if you look back to the EPL that we said goodbye to a few years ago, it's not comparable to the EPL that I first remember of 2002 and you first remember of 2005. Because I think... As teams joined, I mean, Slough, Peterborough and Milton Keynes all joined at the same time in 2002. And let's make no mistake about this. This annoyed other teams that had traditionally been strong in the EPL when they joined. Basingstoke, Bracknell, Manchester, Guildford all joined. And what happened there was that had a kind of natural uplifting of the standard because you had teams come in and bring with them their professionalism both on and off the ice, which had a great, I think, improvement of the whole league. But the thing is here, that's not an option now in the NIHL. You've got teams that are happy and content in the elite league, and you've got the NIHL, which is the second tier of ice hockey. I think the EPL naturally improved last time because the second tier of ice hockey was the BNL and it disbanded and those teams needed somewhere to go. So, you know, it's not an easy solution, is it? But the way I'm seeing it is we've got two players out with the GB under 20s now, Callie and Zach, who are competing on behalf of the country and, of course, representing the Bracknell Bees while they do so and good luck to them and the entire team. But when you look at Team GB, the majority of Team GB players are selected from the Elite League. And as the second tier of ice hockey, it's our job as a league to feed that second tier of ice hockey with players that are good enough to play Elite League and also good enough to go on and play GB senior ice hockey. I mean, like we are Pool A. We have a good chance here of, you know, making a name for British ice hockey. But what happens when those players hang up their skates? Because we need to get the second tier, from my point of view, we need to get it to a place where it's an achievable jump for players. I mean, Kieran Long is one of the last players, I think, to go on and tear up the Elite League from the EPL. Um, and, you know, fair play to him. He's doing brilliantly. He really is. He was great with Manchester, great with Belfast, doesn't look out of place. But Kieran made what was then an achievable jump from a five-import EPL up to the Elite League. And let's make no mistake, Kieran did tear up the EPL in his last few years. He was scoring basically import numbers in the EPL. But do we have a step now that's too big 
with the current second tier of ice hockey, do we have a step that's too big? Is the Elite League going to run dry of uh, British players? Therefore, is Team GB ultimately going to run dry of British players? Because the step between NIHL National and Elite is too big. And that's a little bit of a worry, I think. You know, I'm not just looking at here every weekend, pay your money, get your entertainment. I'm looking at the whole structure of ice hockey here in that as the second tier of ice hockey, we need to be producing players that can go on if they want. Now, I know that there are great players who played EPL hockey who didn't want to go to the elite league for whatever reason. They had good jobs. They didn't want to relocate for whatever reason. They didn't want to add that extra commitment in. But the EPL produced players like Kieran Long, like Joe Greener. Joe Greener could have had a crack at the Elite League without a doubt. But Joe had a family and he had, you know, work and he didn't want that extra thing. We need to be producing, though, the next Kieran Long and the next Joe Greener and the next players that are going to make that step up to the Elite League in the next few years without all of a sudden then just having to bench warm. Yeah. And that is the topic we want to pose to each and every one of you who listen to us as our grateful and wonderful Patreon subscribers. The topic for you guys is how do we get to the point where we continue to push the current league, where it's standing forward as the second tier of British ice hockey, up towards the EPL standards as it was by the closure, and maybe even beyond that. It's not beyond the realms of possibility to say that. Um, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, the other I think thing I think importantly we have to say here is the reason that we have two imports this year was so it could be sustainable. That was the most important thing here was for a sustainable league. So the decision was taken to remain at two imports. So financially it could be sustainable. Now you could just chuck a load of money at this and you know, you could go back to having five imports. Okay. You've upped the standard. You could also go back then to chucking a load of money at the Brits and having a huge housing budget. But all of a sudden, you're going to get clubs who are not going to be able to keep up financially. Clubs will start falling away. And as a league, it no longer is financially sustainable. So that's obviously a big constraint here is how do we get back up towards and possibly beyond EPL standard while still being financially sustainable for not just the chosen few but for every member team, because a league is only as strong as its weakest team. And every member team, therefore, has to be financially sustainable for the league structure to remain so. Yeah. And, and I think this is the challenge, isn't it? It's you, you don't want to be throwing um, money after the problem uh, because, as you say, it creates, creates the unsustainable league. There, is there a potential that there should be? Some upping of the import level, potentially, yes. I don't want to give away too much from people, what might be people's topic answers. I think there's some discussion to be had around the number of dual NAP players, uh, which has begun to creep back into the game. And for those of you who remember the early 90s, when players all of a sudden who have been as, as Canadian and American as the, as the day they were born, all of a sudden found that their great, 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 great grandmother actually was British. Uh, and as a result, got a reclassified passport. Like, there's lots to go into on this, and I, I don't want to. I think it's fair from both us. We'll we'll just park it there, and we just want to leave it up to all of our great Patreon subscribers to come up with their reasons. And if you don't come up with any, we'll we'll reveal ours a little bit further in detail next week. 
Uh, very quickly, we're going to just rattle through one last thing very quickly, which you've already mentioned a couple of times. Zach Milton, Callie Robertson, both representing uh, Great Britain under 20s this week. You can catch all the games on Free Sport, or if you can't stand Aaron Murphy and Paul Lady, you can actually watch <laughs> it on YouTube, as I did today at work, which was very nice. Although the Lithuanian adverts for tax was a little bit of a challenge for us all. Uh, but all the games are on there. A 6-2 defeat today against the number one seeds of Japan. Uh, so that's probably the toughest game of the tournament out of the way so far. Fair to say the Japanese uh, were very good skaters. Definitely that was maybe the biggest difference between the two sides in this one was I feel that the Japanese team were just a little bit better skating. Uh, a couple of penalties that I think some people are drawing too much attention to uh, from a Great Britain front. It was just that the Japanese players, one, just had that little bit more step on their skating, which left us on the back foot. Um, but no shame for Zach and Callie in game one, certainly Lots to build upon for them, and they, they look like they're going to be they're combining on a line together. They've already scored one goal in the uh, pre the preseason in the pre tournament warm up games. So it'll be interesting to see as that one goes on as they take on the likes of Spain, Serbia, and Lithuania over the coming weeks, a week even. So uh, do catch those games if you can. Uh, give the guys support, and we'll be updating on social media when their game times are and trying to draw attention to it as well. So definitely one to one to watch, and we do wish both the pair of them the best of luck. That has thrown out one of the other things I was going to say, but I'm going to hold it back now about uh, improving our own domestic league structure. That has thrown that out, but I'm going to keep it to myself and we will, uh, if it doesn't get suggested, then I will throw it out next week on the podcast. But yeah, uh, obviously the games are on. Be patriotic. Support your uh, support your local boys, but also support your country as well because, you know, like messages I'm certain on social media, just tweet at Team GB Ice Hockey. Uh, they'll be shown to the boys that are out there and it can be a great support to them. Just as hearing you in the stands every week at the Hive is a great support to Zach and Callie, knowing that you are behind them uh, on social media and things like that will be a great help to Zach and to Callie and to all of the uh, all of the players out there for the GB under-20s. As you say, it's a baptism of fire, isn't it? Playing the number one seed is your first game, you know, and you're just thinking, okay, we didn't win, but phew. We've played the number one seed. At least we've now had our hardest game. And possibly that could work to our favour because although we didn't succeed against Japan, we now know where the bar is at the top end level. And we know that we're not going to face anything quite that hard from now on. So we've done the hardest challenge and we, we played with great, we've done ourselves no harm. We've, we've shown great skill. We've competed with them. All right, the result wasn't as close as we'd have liked, but we have done very well against the top seed and now the chance to continue in the tournament, of course, and you can catch it on Free Sport or, as you say, on YouTube. And I'm pretty certain even if you watch it on Free Sport, nobody will say, what is going on here? <laughs> they got professionals doing it rather than what we got on the Bees Radio Network. Uh, well, one professional and me. Well, I wouldn't say that. There's no professionalism here. <laughs> uh, while the GB guys are getting ready for their games coming up this weekend, we've obviously got a bit of a battle this weekend ourselves. On the road in Swindon on Saturday, uh, home to the Peterborough Phantoms on Sunday. And again, this is the thing. You look at that and you go, oh, two tough tests where they're easily beatable if we deliver the type of performance that we began to deliver on Sunday as well. They're going to be physical encounters. We know what Swindon bring. We know what a challenge they are. We know what the Phantoms bring as well. I, it's going to be a good weekend of hockey. Do you know what? I think if we can play the game against Milton Keynes that we played against the, the oh, sorry, 
if we can play the game against Milton Keynes, against the Phantoms, I think we're in a great position because if we can come out and be assertive and get ahead, then that, I think, is a great knock to the Phantoms' game plan because one thing Slava Kulikov coach teams are very good at is closing out leads. And if they can get a decent lead, you'd be pretty certain to back them to close it out in most circumstances. But if we come out, hit the ice hard like we did against Milton Keynes, play with the passion, the desire and the fire in the belly that we did against Milton Keynes, then we are going to slightly knock the Phantoms off their game plan. Um, the other thing the Phantoms do is they will clog up the neutral zone as well and they make it very difficult to let off those, you know, long cross-ice passes because they've got the neutral zone blocked off. We, Doug will know that. The players will know that. We've played them before. You know, if we can get the passes slightly closer, tape to tape, then we're in with a chance, I think, certainly on uh, Sunday. Before that, of course... We've got the Swindon Wildcats, third game in three weeks against the Wildcats now. One home, one away, and another one away. We know the challenges with Swindon, but if you look back to that game just before Christmas at the Hive, it was a thriller, and the Bees were in it all the way through before they just broke away at the right time, and Swindon, despite trying really hard, could not find an answer. So we have two teams here that are beatable this weekend. But we need to come out and we need to play it like we did on Sunday against Milton Keynes rather than Saturday against Leeds. We need to come out, throw out that Milton Keynes performance again. The guys need to step up. And if we can do that, then we have a very good chance this weekend of success, both home and away. So, Mark, as we wrap up this podcast, as we verge into longest episode territory once again. For we've done it. We've week, done we've, it. We've, we've beaten that record. So, how Sorry, Richard. Just- we're going to have to apologise now to Richard. Sorry. Thank you, Graham. Um, thank you, Graham. Thank you, Roy. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, it's more a test of endurance these days rather than enjoyment uh, with the Beats Radio Network. Do you know, podcast. I spoke to Dave yesterday, and Dave did say to me, are we going to have a double episode? And I said to him, don't be so silly, and here we are into yeah. over an hour territory. So, Dave, this one's for you. <laughs> um, you're going to ask me where we can find out details, aren't we? I was going to ask you, well, fans that might have enjoyed the hockey for the past few weeks, how can they get tickets to Sunday's game? If you'd like tickets to Sunday's game, you can telephone 01344789000. That number again, 01344789000. And of course, with this uh, not being a school zone game, as an away supporter, you can have block two or block four, I guess. But block four is the official away block. And of course, if fans want to keep up with all the latest information to do with the TSI World Bracknell Bees. How is the best way to do that on the website and social media? The website is bracknellbees.com. The Facebook and the Twitter are Bees Ice Hockey. And if you're on Instagram as well, the Bracknell Bees. Give us a like, give us a follow, and don't forget to check our website. Of course, we've got the weekend preview to come uh, and other news as well, all up to date on there. Your league table, your fixtures and everything. If you've got your diary, a brand new diary for Christmas, get on there. Look at our fixtures page and scribble them all down and come down to the hive. Most of our games are, of course, uh, on a Sunday. There are the occasional Saturday one. A Sunday will be a 5.30. If it's a Saturday game, then it's a 6.15 face-off. Fixtures are on the website. Scribble them down into those brand-new diaries. And if you did get a new phone for Christmas as well or a tablet or something and you've not synced up your calendar, 
make sure you get those bees fixtures in there. Indeed, we don't want you to miss it because it's going to be a fascinating run-in. Once again, thank you very much to everybody who subscribes to the Bees Radio Network uh, on Patreon. We really do appreciate support with the running costs. And, of course, you Spread get this lovely... Spread the word. Spread the word. Let's have more of you come and enjoy the podcast, Mark, for now, for this week. Pleasure as ever, buddy. Thank you, Graham. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. And there you go, Dave. A nice long one for you, Dave, from the school zone. Uh, one for everybody to look forward to. And it's not a short one like Stephen Matthews. Until next week, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourself and take care. Goodbye. Bees Radio Network.